Hey everybody, welcome to Beer and Gear. I'm flying solo. Just wanted to put together something quick to let everybody know we're still here. We haven't stopped the show. We will uh, be back in January with new shows. We just had some issues with getting schedules to line up. So we're looking forward to getting back to it, bringing you new beers and lots of discussion about new gear. If there's anything in particular that you'd love to see us cover, you can always send us an email at beerandgearpodcast at gmail.com. Or if you have a modern podcast app, send us a boost. With a boost, you can always include a message. Thanks, everyone. See you in 2024. It's May 16th, 2010. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination, episode 200.5. This is No Agenda. Welcome to a special backstage tour of the No Agenda show coming to you from the Hilltop Watchtower Crackpot Command Center in Gitmo Nation West in the People's Republic of Southern California. In the morning, I'm Adam Curry. And it's not really a media assassination today. It's a No Agenda assassination. I'm John C. Dvorak. We still get to say in the morning. Yeah, definitely. Okay. In the morning never goes away. You know, the thing is, we we should tell people, since this is really a show where we're just essentially going to talk about the show, and we're going to ask answer a lot of questions and probably ask some. Uh, but, you know, one of the things uh, you should immediately note, we actually had the debate as to whether we're going to play the opening uh, <laughs> yeah, we did. We, uh, um, jingle. It's kind of sad that we didn't put the debate on the backstage show. <laughs> so this is kind of where we, uh, yeah, I think on this show, which uh, is driven by support from our producers slash uh, donors, supporters, um, where we kind of bear it all. Not that we have any secrets, I don't think, but people just want to know a lot of stuff that we don't put into the show because, little known fact, we make it look easy. And also, a lot of this personal stuff that they're asking, because I sent out a message on Twitter to get some questions, and we also got a couple of emails, and you worked up some questions yourself. Mm-hmm. To be honest about it, a lot of it is just plain boring. Yeah, exactly. Yes, indeed. You know, John and I have been in, uh, in fact, you said this on episode 200, we've been in media, in all forms of media, from uh, print, uh, you've probably been around typesetting. Actual, Actually, uh, I used to be a typesetter part-time see, when I was yeah, in college. See, it doesn't surprise me. All the way through to um, today's reality-based television programming and everything in between on, on mainstream media. And I would say, well, I certainly gave up a number of years ago, and, uh, and I am patently unhireable by mainstream media. In fact, the last... Uh, well, gig- especially after you did yeah. that CNBC thing. Well, yeah, that's right. Uh, when I uh, said Michael Jackson was probably killed and they cut me off. And, of course, now it turns out he probably was. Um, but, yeah, the last radio station I was on, which was around the time we started this show, actually. In fact... No, you were doing this that show while we were doing this show. Yeah, but I think we started this show 
Yeah, but I'd only done a couple, like a week or two, and then we started doing this show, right? I was doing that first, wasn't I? I no, I think you were fired during... The, yeah, I, I was think- fired during... We were doing No Agenda when I was fired, but I'd only just started that show. Yeah, no, I think we did it for about a month. Mm-hmm. So, I was trying to think back, because uh, that was, I think, 26 of either October or November 2007... Uh, the first episode was like 35 minutes, <laughs> the good old days. Yes. Uh, I was living in London, which did give the show a very different flavor, I have to say. I was also baked out of my mind. Right. Although, you know, to be honest about it, I don't think that was apparent. Uh, and I, I, I actually argue with you. Uh, I don't think you, your personality has changed that much from stop since you stopped smoking. Right. But I, well, there's a couple of episodes there where <laughs> I remember one time I actually went off on some tangent and I said, dude, I'm so baked. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but yeah. I, uh, I do remember that. But the personality, well, I'm happy to hear that, that. I'm just more awake and I can do more and I'm more focused. Yeah. And you finally got a, a rig that makes me sound decent. Yeah. But that's, well, you know, at the end there, nah, at the end there, we had, we had a pretty good setup. It sounded no. okay. But this no. this is the best one, I have to say. This is definitely the best one. So, but, now we met at, uh, I guess, where did we meet, John? Was I in well, Cranky Tangents, Tangents.com on Twitter asks the question, uh, do Real Dvorak and Curry have a unique relationship? How did you guys meet? So and the, did you hit it off right away? I'll tell you something I found uh, in my crap that arrived from uh, from the UK. I found a videotape of the CNET pilots where we actually first met for the very first time. Although right, I probably, believe that was in 1993. Three or four, maybe. I think it was three. Yeah, um, and, I, and I'm going to get one of those uh, VHS to, to DVR thingies to, to transcode all of this stuff. But this was when CNET did not have a website. In fact, I registered CNET.com. And said to Halsey Minor, hey, dude, you know, I'll do your email if you want. You know, you might want to have a web thing that I think that would be more appropriate for what you're doing here. But all right. I'll, they paid me like 20 grand to do that pilot, um, which was nice. And you were doing kind of a McLaughlin group type roundtable as the pilot for that show. Yeah, they, I, that, that's kind of interesting because with CNET, they actually uh, went through a whole bunch of people before they decided they wanted me to do it. And I didn't really want to do it. I actually, to be honest with you, I never wanted to work for CNET. Uh, but I did like the idea of, uh, of watching Kevin Wendell at work. Once they brought him yeah, he on, was the, was a little he was more... The, he was the guy from Fox. Yeah, he's a guy from somewhere. He's a Hollywood guy. He, he had set up the Fox network. He, had, uh, he, he was one of the driving programming forces behind Fox. Early well, days, I don't remember that. But yeah, what, yeah. Whatever the case was, he was a slick operator, and it was yeah. fun to watch him work. And... Uh, but they first wanted Leo Laporte to be the McLaughlin guy, and Leo wanted to do it uh, badly. He want, he's always wanted that tor- that sort of gig, mm-hmm. and because but it's because it's very serious and it's you know this and that. And but they had me do it, uh, but th- that never got off the ground. It just wasn't going to work, and and so then they gave me some other job uh, being a, 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 a kind of a clownish co-host. Right. With the Gina St. John. Oh, yeah. Well, they offered me to, to move out to San Francisco and be there full time. And they offered like really low salary, but two million shares of stock. And I declined. <laughs> yeah, well, was a, that was an error. Well, who knows what you know, I was like, well, how yeah, many? I know it's a crapshoot. I did the same thing. Yeah, I, I, like, I screwed up. I said, how, how many how many shares outstanding? Well, it was vague, right? I was like, you know what? I got a pretty good thing here at MTV. I'm, I'm good. 
So anyway, so we met in 93 casually. Very and, casually. Very casually. But, you know, we, we followed each other's careers a little bit. But then I was kind of triggered by that when you had your moment of richness. Um, and I was floating around Europe and I ran into a newspaper with one of these one of these papers, I think it was a Dutch story somewhere, and it had a picture of you, and you're, you're some superstar in Holland, and it was just unbelievable. So this guy makes so much money. Yeah. And so then uh, you showed up in town again, and so then we just, I just kind of forced myself but, but on it. Wasn't, but wasn't it a, yes, and that was nice, but wasn't it a, wasn't I on Cranky Geeks when we connected? No, I think we met up first, and then I put you on Cranky Geeks. Well, where the hell was it, John? Because... Well, we I we did some an email exchange, and I said let's go have lunch or something. We had our first our, our lunch, our initial uh, re meeting lunch mm -hmm. at Fringal, hmm. and we talked about you know getting some uh, getting a daily news show, the Tech Five thing, the ideas like that, and then I then we went and had a big meeting with Ron in the office. Yeah, Ron and, Bloom. Uh, you are in Cranky Geeks after that. I'm trying to look now in my email if I have something from you from that must have been 2007, right? Mm, probably. So how do you do that in Gmail? Do you do date 2007? I don't know. Mm. Anyway, that's the basically the story. And then we uh, we uh, I don't know. Then we I just we just kind of naturally got. We along. really don't know. That's the answer. We really don't know how that happened. We actually get along just in some funny way. It's not really explainable. It's like, you know, you meet somebody and you go, or you've known them for a long time. So, you know, that they're obviously not assassins. So of course, that may not be true. But whatever the case is, you uh, you've always had, you know, you had an acquaintance and then you decide that, you know, now you're working together. It's almost like, you know, where people meet on a Hollywood set and then they're hanging out a lot and then they go off their separate ways. But instead of going off our separate ways, since we're both like at Mevio, uh, we decided to start doing a uh, show. And that, now it's debatable is that, you know, how it got named when we started. I, I, th it. I think I came up with the name. Mm, I don't know if that's true. I think you're the one that approved the name. Are you going to tell me it was your brain fart? I think it was. I say, well, we got, you know, why, I, we got no agenda. And then you said, let's call it no agenda. Yeah, that sounds about right, actually. And uh, that sounds good. Something like that, yeah. and then uh, and then it, as it evolved, we got into other things which were kind of the same kind of like we don't know who uh, came up with the idea. I mean the the donation thing. Uh, well, before I, before we get to that, because the show started off with a very different format. It was, in fact, I think our first show was on a Friday, and uh, like a Friday afternoon friday morning for you and we would just talk about stuff and i would grab the financial times but we would also just talk about stuff you know the difference between america and europe um, right and it was just a, a like a casual conversation yeah just like a conversation and, yeah and this was in my opinion i've always felt that a, a, two guys a, an interesting conversation between two people is interesting to everybody and I've always believed I could sell uh, conversations I have with my wife, and I always felt that a good conversational show where there's not a lot of uh, rehearsal or pre preparation, but just guys who are just talking about stuff that they know a lot about. And coincidentally, because the two of us are so extremely well-traveled, I mean, pretty much been everywhere, mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and observant because, you know, we're generally floating around looking at stuff. Uh, it turns out that we have a, enough life experience to uh, to have an interesting conversation, and, and we're both from slightly different backgrounds, so we could complement each other uh, in ways that I thought was interesting for people to listen in on. Yeah, and and from my perspective, 
Uh, I was looking to do a show with total honesty, uh, not in the regard of, oh, let's all hold hands and tell each other a secret, but more like, you know, why don't we just say what it is and not be fake and just talk about stuff and we can contradict and we can have an argument and we don't have to. In fact, we had no no thoughts even, I think, about making money doing uh, no agenda. Yeah, we had absolutely no agenda. Um, and, and I was just happy that someone would listen to my bullshit. <laughs> like, Hey, here's a guy who actually knows more than me because he's been around longer for sure. Um, and, uh, and, and, ha- and we'll listen to some of the, cause I think I was, I was maybe a late bloomer. I was like saying, Oh, wait a minute. The world kind of works a little bit differently. Cause I was so embedded in the hits, you know, that's all I did. I played hits on radio, on television, like, you know, I, I knew what, what all the celebrities were doing, and all of a sudden, I'm like, hey, this, 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 there's something else going on here. I think I, I corrupted you more than you corrupted me when it comes to this show. Correct, I, I would agree. Um, mainly because of my natural cynicism. I, you know, I took a test one. There's a, it was a computer software program some years ago. I've always found it fascinating. That was a career guidance. Uh, it was almost like a, it was a very elaborate te- computer test. You t- you'd answer a million questions. It was like an MMPI or Minnesota multi-phase personality inventory that people take in some companies. It's actually an illegal test. You shouldn't be forced to take it. But it can tell whether you're a psycho and all these other things. And this was to, to determine what your what your career path should be. And I took the test a couple of times, and it was the weirdest thing to get back at the top of a career path. This is telling you, this is what you should go be doing. Right. Critic. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's really good. I like that. So anyway, so yeah, we got that thing. We When we started... There's a couple, you know. The, I got like hand worker on all my tests. Like you should be <laughs> shoveling shit, boy. You shouldn't be in any kind of business. You might be surprised. That <laughs> test was pretty amazing. I had other people taking it. It was just like nailing people left and right. I wish I could, if I could find it in my I'll archives. I'll take it. If you can and, find and it, I'll take it. If they could reproduce it in a modern format, it would be nice. So anyway, we uh, started uh, the show just casually, and it had a... Uh, it really started picking up a following quickly, and people were feeding back into the mechanism, uh, encouraging the continuation of the show. And then somewhere along the line, this was your idea, I'm sure of it, because it couldn't have been mine. You decided to do two shows a week. Yeah. Um, I don't remember why. There was some reason, because I think we were starting, the show was starting to get long. It was getting long, yeah. And we said, well, why don't we, why don't we do two shows? Actually, that's when we made a real commitment, though. And uh, for, No, that, that was much later in the game. We made a real commitment to do two shows after we, we said, hey, you know, this is real. We're building an audience. Uh, but I think we were going for a good year there just on one show. We probably week. went a year uh, building an audience, and we had a, kind of a weird audience because they were really your fans – separate from my fans and and my fans would say you you should do the show by yourself you should get rid of curry and yeah, give that motherfucker be- two to the head man we and i can't we believe that, that you would be getting the same kind of commentary and it's always made me laugh because it's like oh yeah that's what you want just some guys talking solid <laughs> by the way i have never no conversation no pace and flow <laughs> i've never received never received an email of someone saying get rid of dvorak ever I've seen I I have seen the get rid of Dvorak meme on the twit on Twitter and I've seen it here and there. I've never seen it. I, I'm, you, I'm not kidding. I've never seen it. Nice then. Well, then your fans are less less uh, uh, crazy. Hostile. Yeah. Hostile. Okay. So um, at a certain point, though, 
I think that what, what really drew us together is we're both radio guys at heart. I think we're, you know, and I know I am and I, I grew up in radio. Television was more like a sidetrack for me. Uh, I never felt I, I'm too tall. I'm too lanky. I'm too geeky. Uh, I have Tourette's. There's a whole bunch of stuff that would make me not ideal for television. My head isn't big enough. Uh, to be really successful, I know, know about that. Yeah, you got. No, you got to have a huge. Not not metaphorically speaking, but physically a huge head. That that makes you successful on TV. We've already established that. And, well, but it was our. It was our. I think I really our our um, mutual love of radio and the. Art I love of radio, and the reason there's a lot of reasons I think it should be explored. One is that fact that you don't have to. It's it's a different. It's different. I mean. Uh, Radio is, uh, and this is basically what we're doing, is radio, and it's a modern form of radio podcasting. Uh, you don't have to get dressed. You don't have to uh, primp. Uh, well, there's more than that. It's theater of the mind is what I like about it. I right, mean- and you can also, right, well, the theater of the mind part, which uh, is extremely valuable. Uh, I don't know. I mean, my first broadcasting uh uh, training was in Ray. I went to Foothill College for a while and went on, and I was on the radio station. Mm-hmm. And I just loved it. I produced a radio play and I did a lot of radio. I was a, I got a third class license, which you had to have at yeah. one time. Oh, I, yeah, FCC license. I still have mine. Nobody needs them anymore. And uh, I've always liked, uh, and I'm very kind of a sound nut. I like good quality sound, which is why I was always carping on the quality of this broad- podcast. Um, even when I was doing uh, when I was doing uh, um, Silicon Spin at uh, Tech TV, uh, well, sound, I, sound is always forgotten on television. No one gives yes, a crap. and so but but I made a big stink about it because yeah. it sounded so bad. And and two of the sound engineers that were working there were I was their hero. Yeah, I know, <laughs> hero of the sound engineers. Because the sound engineers couldn't get anybody to listen to the fact that they were using cheap mics and 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 they weren't doing notching or anything. Right. And and so the sound it sounded like a cheap ass production. Now the thing that's interesting is that MIT during the uh, Negroponte era when they had the media lab. They had studied this to death, and they had done double-blind studies over and over again, and it kept coming up. If you take a group of people and have them watch a TV show with shitty sound and then have them compare and then show another uh, TV show with really great sound, like Dolby 5 channel. They watch longer. No, it's not just that. If When they do an analysis, they claim the picture's better. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. And and I'm a sound nut, although I've had a lot of trouble, you know, just because of the technology we've been using. But now, uh, okay, so now it's where it should be. I am way into creating a custom sound that gives you something that affects the listener in other ways. By so, the way, do you have the record button pushed? Oh, yes, I do. Um, so, you know, we have uh, compression... Uh, I put noise gates on because I I, I don't want to he- when I'm when, when either I'm talking or there's by the way I love silence when neither of us say anything the noise gates kick in it's completely silent if I didn't have those on then I'd hear your your room or, you know I'd hear stuff r- rustling of papers and that's a, to me an important part of our sound and I love it because in the beginning <laughs> certainly when we had uh, a huge Skype delay people would be like. Oh, you know, I, I keep grabbing my uh, my iPod or my MP3 player because I think that the thing is stopped or it's crapped out. But then you guys talk again, and it gets people's attention. Silence is beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it does work. 
And we have a moment of silence every so often. But um, anyway, so the two of us are kind of have a, we're a, we have amenable personalities. Uh, so we were, we're complimentary. We're not, you know, people say, oh, you work because you're the opposites. No, we're hardly the no, opposite. Not at all. Not we're at just all. complimentary. We have different kind of needs and issues, uh, perspectives, but they're not opposite. They're just different. And, uh, and so it worked out. So we have a show that works. Very rare to do, do you know, these kind of partnerships. Somebody else asked a question. Uh, let me go to this one. Um, who's the star of the show? And, of course, that would be me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, right on. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd get that in before yeah, you gave I, the same line. I was wondering if we could actually say it at the same time. I'm like, nah, it'll never work on Skype. We'll, we'll never hit that at the same moment. No, but that would have been funny on stage. So, uh, um, yeah, there, in a Smothers no, Brothers kind of humor way. There's no star of the show uh, because... And there's no, like, sidekick. I mean, it's not like there's a dominant character. I mean, right. Adam produces the show, so he picks up uh, the dominant side of the production because he's the one who hits the buttons, it says, in the morning, and he's the one who, who opens the show because he's got all that gear. But it's, uh, it just happens to be what you have to do if you're producing because if I was producing, I, it, you, you know... You'd I, be I, starting the clips on my I'd cue. I'd be starting yeah. the thing myself. But so, so, and somebody has to produce. You can't have two producers. No. no uh, that would suck. But... But what happened, and a lot of uh, a lot of people talk about this. At least I've seen it around. Like, well, you know, it used to be. In fact, we used to say the show that has we open we would open the show the show that has uh, no jingles, no sound effects, no agenda. And uh, then I think you because people need to know that John is a is the kind of guy. And this is I I really appreciate this by the way. Who will see something on television or find a crazy documentary or something that you're generally interested in. And it's often, I think, it's stuff that you don't even believe in or care about yourself. But he'll burn you a DVD and make a nice <laughs> label on it. And, you know, he's, and I, I'm always amazed by the labels. It's always nice art and it's, it's you know, it's, it's labeled beautifully. That way, if the feds bust in, they look at it, they say, oh, this must, this isn't a bootleg. This has got to be the real <laughs> it's thing. It's got to be the real deal. But it's not like movies. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's documentaries. It's uh, different uh, shows that he's seen. And you handed me a copy of The Family Guy uh, with the episode Weenie and the Butt. And that really uh, got the because again we're both radio freaks, and we figured this would just be funny to do, and it kind of stuck. And and I think uh, that it'll be fun. That's also where in the morning came from, by the way. Um, and it's uh, such a takeoff on the morning zoo format, and which we both, I would say, love and hate at the same time. Uh, loathe, of course. Now it's just so old fashioned. But when you listen to this, you can understand why radio guys get off on weenie and the butt. Uh, it's about two minutes, this. Oh, that's the Hulu. The Hulu pre-roll. Watch your favorites anytime for free. Hulu. Hey, everybody. It's Weenie and the Butt here live at the Quahog Air Show. We're all ready for the Weenie Sound-Alike Contest. I don't know, Butt. I don't think they can say my catchphrase because they know funny. <laughs> oh, there it is. And if you think you can say that just like Weenie here, you could win $97.1 for the cool weekend ahead. Weenie and the Butt. Weenie and the Butt. Cool. Weekends in the morning, 97.1 FM. Cool weekends in the morning with Weenie in the butt. WQHG 97.1. 97.1. Weenie in the butt. In the morning, cool weekends. FM. Weenie. 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 
and the butt. And welcome back. Uh, excuse me, I, I gotta find a lost kid. Can I use your mic? That's what she said. Whoa, you got butt slam! <laughs> Listen, I could really use a hand here. That's what he said. Butt slam! <laughs> That's Manic Monkey on 97.1. Manic Monkey, 97.1. Cool weekends in the morning. Oh, weekend long. In the morning. In the morning. On the radio. Give me that. Stewie Griffin, will you please report to the radio booth? Stewie Griffin. Hey, that's quite a voice you've got there. You ever think about doing radio? Well, uh, I listen to a lot of radio. Peter and Lois leave the radio on when they go out, so I feel like somebody's home. Well, here's my card. Call me if you're interested. Hey, okay, we've got our first contestant. Let's hear Weenie's catchphrase. <clears throat> Dano Fane. I think we have a wiener. <laughs> And that's Dickie the Punchline Donkey on 97.1. Dickie the Punchline Donkey on Cool 97.1. We did. On the radio. In the, the, the morning. FM. Cool. WQHG. Cool weekend. In the morning. On 97.1. 97.1. It's one of the greatest moments in Family Guy history. It really is. And, and you know they produced all of that stuff and they must have had a ball because... It really was like that in the 90s, in the 80s and the 90s. Radio was absolutely in the morning on the radio. No content. 97.1. Zero content. <laughs> All filler. And I used to hate it. We'd have to do liner cards. Here, read this. Hit the jingle. Uh, all right, $100.1 in cash for you on Z100. <laughs> Z100 serving the universe. <laughs> So uh, we, we kind of decided, we didn't decide, it just happened. Most of the show, by the way, for people you know, who are asked all these questions, it's really an evolution. Yeah. There's no meetings. We don't have meetings. No we don't meetings. really talk about <laughs> No. We, we, in fact, that's, if, if there's a rule, we generally agree not to talk about what we're going to talk about. Because yeah, we, we know that what will happen is we'll start talking about it, and then we bring it up on the show, and then... Uh, and it'll always suck. There's like, uh, it's like, yeah, it's like it's been rehearsed. Yeah, there's no tension there, right? And uh, you know, so uh, so anyway, so this evolved. But what happened? With the, then, of course, you ran into Jeff Smith in the morning, and so we ended up getting a bunch of these jingles and things, which some people complain about. But the fact of the matter is, it paces the show well. It is a mockery of the of the other model, and it, but it adds kind of a nice. It, it, I don't know what it is. The atmosphere is improved by it. The, the in the morning thing is used as a as a rim shot, generally, or it should be, and it is often. Um, so I say something funny, which is very common on the show, and then he hits the, the, the <laughs> or, rim or, shot. Or if you go off on a tangent. <laughs> so we have a bunch of these things which we use, and uh, now the, we got a couple of questions. By, uh, by the way, it, that's an old radio trick for a segue. It's it's really. It helps transition the listener's brain from one segment to the next. It jars you for a moment there. And, and if you listen to our last show, uh, show 200, Adam was going off the deep end on some topic. It, it kept talking. It was way at least two, three minutes overdue yeah. to stop it. And I told him to play the Adam Curry's Pet Peeve of the Day jingle, which I knew would transition. It would, it would you know, stop him in his tracks. Adam C. Curry's Pet that's right. It it also stops me. You're right. Yeah, it works perfectly that way. So uh, the show, here's from uh, one of our listeners. The show you do today is very different from the show when you first started, e.g. personal anecdotes are gone. No, they're not. 
Audio clips and jingles are now prevalent. Uh, Originally less than an hour a week, it is now four hours a week. And listeners are now asked to contribute cash. Is the show where you want it to be? Are you planning more changes? We the show just evolves, so we don't plan anything. Although, although we do things uh, individually that may or may not stick. In fact, if anything, um, <clears throat> we're always trying. <clears throat> it's more like when I when I find something, and and by the way, we'll get into this. But a lot of people send me stuff. That's uh, that's how I get a lot of good information, and either that's good, or I'll find something else that is good that uh, that relates to it. I'm thinking, ah, oh, man, I'm going to blow John away with this. Oh, he's going to love this when I play this. I can just hear what he's going to say. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, there's that. And there's the other time, they, curiously, though, we both tend to be on the same stories, which is kind of interesting. But we had a show, I can't remember, it was about six or seven shows ago, where you had actually collected the clips that were all complimentary to my yeah, yeah, discussion. And, they, and it was like, because I didn't get some of these clips that I wanted, you had them. And I actually thought that was the most unbelievable show we've ever done because it, it, was, it looked rigged. Yeah, it it really flowed very nicely, uh, and that happens from time to time. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm I'm on board with the evolution. We, there's nothing is pl- absolutely nothing is planned. I have my own things. John has his things. Sometimes we might send each other a link from time to time, and and even then, usually the link doesn't get discussed because oh, we saw well whatever you know it's, it's over. Um, but we have a couple of common interests of things that are funny. That we think are funny. Usually, they have to do with mainstream media. I think that's that's the most fun is when we when we rag on mainstream media and pull it apart and simultaneously open people's eyes as to what's really going on in, in uh, on television. You know that may have been triggered by the Weenie and the Bud episode I, of probably the, yeah. of the Family Guy because once we start once we became started mocking that model and we started looking at the media bitching about it generally. Uh, on a higher plane, I believe than the than the people at Fox have ever thought of, and uh, we started. We realized that it was actually interta- we were entertaining ourselves, and we knew it was very valuable information. And we had the time. It's not like anyone can't do this, but most people work for a living. If you're to have a job at Goldman Sachs and you're there till uh, you know seven at night, and you have to get in early, whatever, I'm, or, and then you have to drink all day, which seems to be what the job's about, <laughs> and watch uh, strippers. You don't watch strippers. You don't have time to go and start digging around these stories to find the one, you know, the missing element or, or, the, or the kind of the crazy connection. Uh, you just haven't got time to do it. And then, you know, the fact that the mainstream media doesn't do it and they don't uh, is just makes you wonder. So I will say that there were two seminal moments when we had uh, – our equivalent of a meeting, and the one is when uh, we spoke on the phone and said, you know what, this thing is real, this is really catching on, let's do two shows a week. That I do remember, uh, and that was like, oh, you know, something's happening here, this is really special, we should just do it, and then um, I, I, even, I, I even recall you saying, okay, I've got to switch this around, I've got Cranky Geeks on Wednesday, I mean, this is when we started to really integrate this show into our daily schedule, into our lives, because... Actual work does go into it. Um, I don't know about you, but I every single day, uh, here's my system. I have uh, labels set up in my email, like Gmail labels, and whenever I come across something that I think is interesting or that someone sends me uh, or that I find, I'll email it um, and tag it with that label. So I have a label now for show 201. And then the night before the show, 
that is, if I haven't found anything that that showed up that I really needed to dig into, which of course can take hours of extra work and um, investigation. Uh, then you know, I sit down and I start to start to assemble everything into a huge outline of stuff, and then I have to read everything. You know, look at all the YouTube clips, and in the meantime, whenever I can, without destroying my relationship, I'm I'm watching C-SPAN, C-SPAN one, two, and three. Uh, I'll skim by HLN, CNN, CNBC, MSNBC just to see what they're doing, see if I find anything funny. I find myself watching less of Fox these days. It's just too annoying for me. Um, but C-SPAN, I find to be just, I love it so much. It, to me, that is it is actual entertainment. And, of course, C-SPAN has done a great job with their video library because all you have to do is remember a, a line that someone said, which is typically what I'm looking for. You go to the archive, you type it in, search transcripts. It'll search the transcripts and come up with that actual piece of video and cue the video to the spot where the line is. I mean, it's, it's amazing what they've done there. It's a very really valuable good. resource. And, you yes. know, the thing is on the weekend they have this, what I really like. I mean, I like the regular C-SPAN, but on the weekend they have this book TV. Yeah. They bring these various art, uh, uh, writers in, and many of them have written crazy books one way or the other, right-wing, left-wing, everything. And they sit them down with a guy who really is a good conversationalist or sometimes somebody that's in their same field of study. And they talk to him for an hour or more. Uh, usually an hour, and it's like a whole hour, and it's, extre- it's it basically it's like books on tape. I mean, you get the whole, pretty much the perspective you're looking for. You find everything out from this person. They, it's just amazing. It's a, it's much better than any talk show, Charlie Rose, or any of these commercial things. Yeah, and, and what's nice, what's nice about that is I know, I kind of know what you're watching, so I know that I don't have to. And for, we, I, I must say, from time to time, it happens every other week. Probably you'll either you'll send me. Sometimes I send you an SMS, a text message saying, oh, dude, C-SPAN 3 now, right? And then we'll both sit down and watch something at the same time. This has happened to me that I've been in the car and I get like a C-SPAN 2 now. I'm like, oh, crap. But I luckily have the C-SPAN iPhone app and I'll listen to the audio. It's like, it's sickening. We're like, we're like the guys from the Muppets. <laughs> it's a little crazy. Yeah, it is. But, but it's not as though, you know, and the funny thing is I don't think when we first began the show that we we're going to get so heavily embedded into current events to this extreme. And like somebody says, you know, your show was about you guys going out to dinner and, you know, and, and just, yeah, it, it was a lot of moments. And we still discuss wine and food occasionally when it comes up. And but we don't instead of sitting around talking about our meal uh, that people can uh, live vicariously through our, you know, steaks and uh, and Cabernet. Uh, it, it that pretty much kind of just went by the wayside because it wasn't. Uh, I don't know if it well, was- the the audience also drove that, and and the only way to measure that is by feedback that you get and the growth of the audience. And it was pretty clear what people were were interested in, and they were interested on our take of current events. Were interested in uh, our unveiling, if you will, and this is purely because of our experience, our unveiling of the bullshit and the, mm, I would say, the deception of mainstream media. And and I think it's helped a lot of people see things in a different light, and that's what the audience wants. And, you know, John, you and I are both in the audience business at the end of the day. 
Uh, yeah, and in fact, it is. Where you, you can tell by the way people send you notes. I mean, yeah, every once in a while, somebody that was there from the original show, and they kind of like the fact that we have a wine tip once in a while, which I can still do, uh, or, or there's some observation we made about the trends in food. Uh, that's fine, which, which is now different than me complaining on the earlier show, uh, the show 200, about the, the raw milk uh, issues. That's a kind of a foodie thing. But the point is is that the people that really got jacked up and the ones that are pretty much financing the show because they send in big contributions and say, wow, we like the, the way you deconstruct these stories, the way you tear them apart, the way you show us, me, as it were, the way you show me that, this, that I'm being led astray. People, it's very valuable for people to have some sense of uh, understanding of what they're being bombarded with. So l- l- when did we start asking for donations? That began uh, sometime um, in 2009. I believe we, we semi-seriously may have done something in late 2008. And I, the only reason I can say this, because I can look at the PayPal account since we did it as a PayPal thing. And we did it uh, at the beginning, I think, with uh, trepidation. Uh, not complete trepidation, but I think you may have had a little more than I did because I've always felt there was a uh, model uh, of direct uh, um, support. And uh, I was thinking about this. I have to keep thinking of different arguments because, you know, the, the ones that do it the best are public broadcasting. And uh, that, You're right. That's what it was. We were talking about that, and then we were talking about PBS. And I said, why, why do those dickheads who are clearly shills – not all and all the time, but why do they get away with this and why do people support that? It's, it appears that we have a large number of people who, who like us the same way they either currently do or used to like public broadcasting. Right, and, they, and public broadcasting also has the, uh, the issue with uh, the fact that they have commercials. And we, play, you know, we really played up a couple of clips that we developed, uh, we found, uh, about you know, them admitting that they're, they're oh, underwriters. Let's, uh, uh, let's play that one because um, we can't play that enough. This was, uh, was the, the president of, uh, of PBS. NPR. Was it NPR? Yes, NPR. Uh, being asked about... Um, underwriters. The, yeah, about their underwriters and how the state of affairs, and here was her answer. Okay, move it on to money. How are NPR's corporate underwriting revenues holding up in the recession? And what about foundation grants? Um, two different stories. Um, underwriting is uh, corp- uh, underwriting is is down. It's down for everybody. I mean, this is this is the this is the area that is most down for us. is is in is in sponsorship, underwriting, advertising. Call it whatever you want. Right, call it whatever you want, and then I think we started to pe- open people's eyes. Yeah, th- this is kind of the way it went. We started to open people's eyes about how it really worked, and then people were like, wow, you know, Monsanto sponsors this, Archer Daniel Midland sponsors that, and we're like, well, okay, so how about the objective reporting about those companies? Well, there doesn't seem to be a hell of a lot of it, and uh, I think a lot of people, st- this is maybe how it really started, John, and I'm just vague on it, but is people start to send us like $100 and say, well, this is what I would have normally spent on PBS, the National Treasure, uh, I want to spend it on you. And I think that's where we said, oh, wait a minute, there's something here. Well, we definitely had, again, this is what this is the problem with answering questions like this. Uh, we don't, you <laughs> we're know, brain it's an, dead. <laughs> it's a, yeah, we're idiots. No, it's an evolutionary show, and, and like with anything in evolution, uh, just the model, 
uh, it's very difficult to put a, your finger on a spot. I mean, I can, we can do the weenie and the, and the butt uh, spot, and, and that had some influence, and we can point right to it. But the rest of it is, is always vague because it just kind of evolved. And we were actually very, you know, being an open source show, which is another idea that we decided to go with. Uh, in other words, we don't care if you uh, steal the show. Well, you uh, know, I, I actually do remember I was in New York with Mickey, and it was winter... It must have been winter 2009, and I remember I called you, and I said, you know, hey, this this model that we've been kind of, well, not really working on, but that has evolved, it seems to be working. We should really go for this. We should really try, and I, and I think at that point, I said, boy, I, I, I would love to do this full time. I would love to do nothing else but this. I enjoy it so much. Well, I, well the model, as I remember, uh, I was always for it. From the, from the get-go because I've always admired the model itself. I always admired the fact that you can get, if you get you give people what, you know, essentially, you, you if you're doing, it's like the Max Headroom thing where they had the direct numbers, you know, the guy was, the show was going downhill, the, the numbers would go down and you could see it in real time. You can see if we're doing the right thing, if we're doing a good job uh, it, directly. It's not, yeah, it's, you it's can't. Va- it's value for value. You can't go off the deep end, and we can't turn the show into like an analysis of 60s music, and that's all we talk about for two hours, and expect to get any money from anyone. So we're only doing it. Now, at the same time, we obviously don't want to uh, be pushed around by the audience. We have to lead them uh, as as opposed to just doing whatever they want. Uh, So you have to have some leadership. This is like a company that, you know, you, you, you don't focus group everything. Focus grouping takes you, it shows you what they used to like. But if you want to move the show in new directions or try different things, you actually have to experiment with it. But you will get that feedback. You're going to get a pushback saying, no, you know, this sucks. Don't do that again. And, you know, and then the, the, the donations go way down. Oh. So it's an interesting tightrope walk, but it's direct s- support from the listeners. And, and people have come up with all kinds of different uh, complaints about it. Well, you know, you know, the, why we, why do I have to spend a hundred dollars because I, I can go see a movie for fifty bucks? And they put a lot of money into making those movies, and you guys don't put any money into making this show. And they, there's this kind of weird kind of complaints about production costs I've been getting every once in a while. And I, my, I never had a real good retort for it except, well, it's you know, it's different. It's like a, you're paying for books on tape. It's like a book. We're, we're really competing with books on tape. We're not competing with Avatar. And uh, but well, then I started well, thinking we're, we're about also, the, we're also competing with radio, but you know radio you get twenty two minutes an hour of actual well less radio eight, is terrible seventeen minutes of programming and thirteen minutes of commercials you know make your choice right and then how much is your time worth so I've used that argument but then I also found another one which I really haven't exploited on the show but you know because people in this production well it costs a lot of money to make a movie what about a novel novels are one of the first. In the, one of the first businesses that are directly user supported. Good point. You buy a book. Good point. And you read the book, and you you know you've already paid your money. Although, of course, unlike our show, the book you pay in advance for the book, uh, and you pay in advance for the uh, for the Avatar movie. You pay in advance for a lot of these things. We don't do that. We're more of the church model, where you you know if you don't like the sermon, you don't have to put anything in the coffers. But it's the same thing. Your uh, books are user supported. And once, There's no ads in a book. No, and, one, and once you get over the personal hurdle coming from mainstream, where, by the way, we hate commercials. 
I, I've always hated commercials. I've I hate. Found that's that. where the DVR is such a godsend. No, but I mean, just even as a creative, as a creator of content, I'm like, oh, you know, I gotta, I gotta hit the commercial break. I gotta wait for the commercial. Oh yeah, no, they're terrible. You gotta interrupt your flow. Watch one of these shows. Anyone listening to this on Fox or any places, and they get somebody in a really heated debate, but they're on a hard break. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I, I've, I've seen this with Tom Brokaw and, and the president. And you know, and they got some some guy screaming in his ear, counting down the commercial, and the president's actually just saying something really interesting. It's like, eh. it's annoying. It's very very annoying as a creator to go through that. But then, <clears throat> it it was kind of weird. Uh, at least for me, it was. You know, you, you feel embarrassed to ask people for money, and there is a psychological hurdle. And but once you're over that. Yeah, you like, got over it pretty quickly. Yeah, it's easy sailing. You know, it's like, hey, I, value I had a for little, value. Uh, I had some f- pushback from the family. It's like, uh, and I won't say who, but they know who they are. Yeah, the uh, so, Oh, how can you bring yourself <laughs> to begging for money for this? How can you do that? It's beneath you. Can't you get some advertisers? I don't want any advertisers if I can get money directly from the listeners. I mean, why would I want that? Yeah, it, it screws up that. the product. It just ruins the product. I mean, there's nobody. And the thing is, the, most of the people have not. We've taken it. To, one of the reasons that we do this show and, and we do this, the money, asking for money and support, donations, is because, whatever you want to call it, uh, <laughs> is because it, it's, it gets us closer to the audience. It's actually a good, close connection. You know, you know, you know what you're getting for your money. Uh, at some point, it becomes a... Uh, it just it just makes you feel more honest. And the, the, there's another thing we did, which I know was my initiative, and I think it it helped us in a number of ways. Is we decided to stream it live when we do the show, and that uh, that did a number of things. One, it gave at least me. I appreciate the instant feedback loop of of the chat room. Now I'm, I can't watch it all the time, but you know, I, uh, sometimes a punchline will come through, and they're always on a 25 second delay. So it's interesting how that works. But a punchline will come through, or someone might drop a link in there. Uh, but I, I personally, even even if I didn't have the chat room, just knowing that people are listening live at that moment gives me an energy that uh, I've always loved doing things live. I, I'm not a big fan of recording. Uh, if I'm have to, if I have to record something, it's got to be live to tape, like I do Daily Source Code, like you do Cranky Geeks. Although that's streamed live as well now. Uh, I just want it live, 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 because then you can leave all the warts in there and all the all the the crazy shit, and that actually makes it more interesting when it's not highly produced. And it also forces us to kind, you know. I think before we were doing it live, it's like, hey, what time should we do the show? Well, I got this, I got that. Now it's like, there's my schedule is Thursday morning. Uh, I get up, at, I, I get up the same six thirty. I get up. And and from then on out, it's no agenda. Sunday morning, six thirty. I get up. From then on out, it's no agenda. Yeah, I know. I had the same thing. I said, but occasionally we've had to move the show to the Wednesday night. It hasn't. We haven't had that in a long time. No, but we're going to have it next month because I have a travel thing that's interrupting both shows. Which brings me to. Oh, well, let me finish one more thing about the donations. Um, one of the things that w- when we went into the donation thing, we started asking for for money, uh, uh, direct support from the listeners. Uh, this has never really been – I've been figuring this out because it's a form of marketing that's, that interests me. But one of the things that I – people say, well, you can't – I'm sure you're starving to death and you can't do it. Why don't you get an advertiser, they always say. No one except us 
And I believe me, I haven't seen anything close. And I, there may be some religious programming that I'm not aware of. But nobody doing podcasting, uh, professional level, good quality podcasting, as we're doing, has taken it serious. Yeah. We are seriously, you know, we have programs. We came up with the night thing. We've got a different kinds of the. We also club. don't don't call it a tip jar. We don't work for tips. Yeah, that's bullshit. Yeah, no, we we do this. We're seriously doing this, and it's like take it or leave it. This is the model we're working with. Uh, it's going to be a lot better. The product you're going to get's a lot better if you if you get anything out of it. You get something out of it. You know, contribute. I mean, just the way where this is new. Do you feel the show serves as more than just a source of entertainment? If yes, what do you hope to accomplish? Well, first of all, let me say, from my perspective, I absolutely see this as a form of entertainment. I hope everyone is entertained by our show. They if, have to be. If you're not entertained, we have blown it. Uh, you have. There has to be a moment where... And entertainment comes in, in different ways. It can be funny. It can be dramatic. It can be sad. It can be frightening whatever emotion button we're we're hitting it has to be entertainment otherwise why listen then it'd just be boring i remember somebody sent us a link so well there's a couple people that do a show like yours and they sent us a link to somebody's (laughs) show that was very much like ours they deconstructed the news a bit uh they tended to not to have our perspectives but they you know they did a fairly decent job and it was so dull (laughs) they had no it was just like this academic you can't get you know, it, it's just that the modern audience is the modern audience. And no matter how intellectual you might think you are, you will be better served by someone who feeds you information in a way that, that keeps your attention. And to keep your attention, you have to have an element of entertainment. Our personalities, generally speaking, I think, are, 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 are the entertainment. Well, also, uh, and I've only had this well, one. my humor, of course. Yes, obviously. I've only had this one other time in my career. Sometimes you just find these magical combinations, and it's not by design. You can't train for it. You can't go to school for it. It just happens, and you have these combos that just work. And this is one of those that just work. In fact, my biggest fear now, and I know what yours is, John, but my biggest fear is you're going to roll over and die one day, and um, (laughs) the show will be over. And I I know you're ten years at least, and you're afraid uh, that I'm going to go crazy and and leave Mickey and go off the deep end. I mean, I I know what you're thinking. Yeah, I think that can happen any minute. Our pledge asks on Twitter, uh, Mr. Dvorak, your uh, campaign seems to have the momentum of a runaway freight train. Hey, there's the meme. Why are you so popular? I think we answered that question just now. Also, the No Agenda chat folks wanted the moderator should be invited. They've donated a lot of their time. Well, they're invited to listen to the show when we're done with it. Uh, we, next time, maybe we can do something more yeah, for them. Th- th- this show is uh, the, the first one in a long time that we're not streaming live, but also this is uh, a different type of show. We're just kind of... So uh, let's answer the second part of that question, though. What do you hope to accomplish what do you hope to accomplish, John, with this show? I think uh, at some, and this is going to be. This sounds really. This is not going to sound good, um, <laughs> because that, I, because it makes you sound. There's a kind of a. Well, you'll see. Let them I, eat cake. <laughs> no, no. I I think that we. I think honestly believe that we're doing a serious public service 
to bring people, generally pe- people that are listening to the show. I've always believed this with, even when I'm a writer, people always say, well, what do you, what, when I'm writing like in PC Magazine, when I was writing all those years in the inside track, I always had a vision of what, what was I trying to accomplish and what I was trying to accomplish because I knew it would get me more readers. It's a selfish reason, by the way. I knew it would get me more readers. My concept was if I could, if somebody read my column and they're working in a cubicle, and my, my column was designed to give them an edge over the guy in the other cubicle who wasn't reading my column. And I've always believed that, that, that this is your, you know, the value proposition, a, a phrase I hate. But it was one of the things I've always, it's always in the back of my mind. I'm trying to give people some edge over the people who aren't paying attention to me. Oh, no, it, this is basically, we want you, the audience, to be able to get laid because you sound smarter listening to us. Exactly. I mean, at the end of the day, isn't that it? Or a <laughs> job, or a promotion. Or, or anything. It can enrich your life because you had that one little bit of information that someone went, oh, well, that guy said something interesting. Or, oh, she has an interesting take on stuff. That, and, and for me, it's that. Maybe it's just that. <laughs> now, this is, <laughs> well, you know, for you. No, for, I'll tell you what it is. For, this is. I think I was born to do this. I think everyone is born to do something. And it took me a long time with a lot of detours, and I've been counting down the hits, and I've, you know, I've pretended to run companies uh, with varying degrees of success, but, but basically riding off of fame and fortune, which in itself is interesting um, to have a perspective from, from that angle. Uh, but this, I love this. I, I so love it. And, you know, people say, man, you work really hard. You do a lot. We have house guests and they'll be like, my God, Adam's always on that thing and he's editing and he's recording stuff. Like, yeah, I love it. And it's not, it doesn't even feel like work. I love this. I love what we do. I love what I do. It, and that's also completely selfish, but if it gets you laid, hey. No, the good, actually good, uh, works generally are selfish at some level because you, uh, you know, if you think you're helping somebody, sometimes that's selfish because you get a good feeling from it, and that's a selfish thing. Uh, although it wouldn't be defined as such by anybody in their right mind. So let's talk about the open source model for just. Well, wait a second. before we do that, since you brought kind of brought it up, I want to bring in Simon Smith's question from Twitter, which says, "When you we offer relationship advice on no agenda, my wife doesn't react well to the hookers and blow angle." <laughs> really, she should try it. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. Some people just... You know, you know, we do get... Um, I hear a certain thing... Uh, two things I hear. Um, one is people don't like the hookers and blow because they it puts some people off. Okay. Uh, that's just who we are, I guess. And we find it amusing. You know, I don't think, uh, John... Uh, I've never done blow, and I certainly have never done uh, the combination of hookers and blow at the same time. Um, so... So you admit to doing hookers? Yeah, absolutely. You, like, you've never done hookers. Hello? I don't discuss these things Hello. in public. Hello, is this on? <laughs> By the way, the hooker situation is a cycle. And uh, the 30s, of the 70s, uh, big, lots of hookers. And so we're, gonna, we're going into a new cycle of hookers. Uh, in the, probably starting around 2012. Well, let me and put prob- it this way. I, I am not against hookers. I think that there's a lot of bad stuff that happens in the sex industry. Uh, but, uh, if, you know, there's a lot of women who support their children and, uh, and themselves, and if that's what they want to do and it can be done in a safe manner, power to you. I grew up in Amsterdam. I saw it working quite well. Thank you. Um, what's the problem is when it gets driven underground, but yeah, anyway, that, like- that, that's a whole separate show. 
So now what was your, right. Now what was so your, the qu- second one, uh, people say, well, I try to help people listen to this show, but then they hear the opening and the whole in the morning thing. And they think it's uh, some BS top 40, you know, weenie in the butt show. And then they don't listen. <laughs> and I, I, actually, I don't know what we can do about that. Nothing, but I actually like it because you have to, once you get over that hump, then, uh, then you can get kind of sucked in. So no, I, it, that's also a mask. That's probably important. Can you imagine like some meeting going on uh, at the NSA or the CIA and they're like, yeah, we've got to get rid of these guys. I hear bad things about that Korean divorce act. Let's listen to the show. And they hear this whole in the morning bit. I'm like, no, that can't be anything. <laughs> it definitely puts like puts people off or maybe echelon you know echelon is is sniffing yeah, our like, show and they're like oh this can't no, be can interesting. Imagine, yeah, just just what you said the guy goes into a meeting says these guys are they're they're subversive these two guys <laughs> and the guy says really well let me hear what let me hear the show and then they start playing it with that opening <laughs> that guy, crack bottom buzzkill in the morning in the morning the guy says get Get the hell out of my office, you crackpot. Get out of here. So it's, uh, by the way, that is, uh, now that you mention it, I purposely love, and I, I don't know who came up with the moniker, but I love being called the crackpot because it is the ultimate shield. The ultimate. Because some of the stuff we say, and I think we get pretty close to the truth on a lot of issues, I would rather people say, ah, he's just a conspiracy theorist. He's just a crackpot. Because that will save me from getting killed. <laughs> Have, we've talked about that. Uh, yeah, should, yeah actually... no, and I think it's a good theory, and, 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 it's, and it's 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 a likable theory. But the guy, you know, we shot to track down the guy who who coined crackpot and buzzkill. It was an email I got, and we mentioned on the, the, the next show we mentioned it, and you thought it was great to be called the crackpot. Yeah, yeah, I love it. And so, and then we our artwork started to have crackpot and buzzkill put on it, so it just reiterated the whole thing. We should. Uh, and, so now, please, let's move into that uh, open source nature of the show. So two amazing things, which are a part of the model, a part of the the openness and the and the freedom and the and the support of, through donations, is we don't own anything. We don't – well, I mean, I guess technically if you really looked at it, we do. But Got we don't, a microphone. Yeah, but the show is whatever it is. And we have people uh, cutting this up, splicing it, putting it into uh, all kinds of – you know, making uh, trans ringtones, uh, making trance music out of it. But we also have people who who create things. So a lot of our jingles, by the way, we could use a lot more, and we love them. But we are very critical. We don't just use everything people send in. A lot of people send in stuff that we just feel is not good enough. Um, we have um, uh, artwork, and we have two main artists, uh, Sir Randy Asher and Sir Paul T., and they, you know, these guys have jobs. They do stuff. Who knows what they do? And uh, and they they spend their time. They they create artwork for us for almost every single show. Now there's noagendaart.com where people can drop art, and we've used the art from different artists. If anything, we so after every show, people should know we have a discussion. So the first thing we say is, what do we think of the show? And there's been a couple times we said, well, that sucked, and we're pretty brutal with each other although john never agrees with my criticism of him if i say well you sucked on that it's like no that was really good um and if you criticize me you're usually right and i just take it like a man ha so we uh we talk about that and then we talk about what yeah we, essentially it's a post-mortem yeah. that most publications do yeah then we'll say what uh what do we call the show so we we think about what will get the best seo results what will People be searching. We want all those accidental hits. 
And then we have to choose from the artwork. And that is sometimes the hardest part because this, it's so good. We don't want to you know, have one guy put off over the other guy because they both sent in something great. It's, that's a hard choice sometimes. Yeah, it's amazing. We have, uh, and there's other artists waiting in the wings that contribute on an occasional basis. We have some tremendous support. Uh, from these guys, and then you know, Asher set up his own T-shirt shop and through I don't know what what mechanism, and you know, we help no, him no out. NoAgendaStuff.com. Stuff. Yeah. And uh, we have you know all these guys, and we've encouraged it, and we don't we don't have our name trademarked. Somebody came up with an email the other day that sent sent it. Well, I think I got a good promotional idea. Why don't you trademark in the morning? And then every time you hear anybody saying it on any show whatsoever, send them a cease and desist order, and then they'll promote you, and you'll get free publicity. Although and, funny. You know, it's actually a funny idea, yeah. but it's not our model at no, all. No, it sounds like work, and that's one thing we hate. <laughs> we don't want to do any work. We, yeah, we, do, we actually don't want to do anything. <laughs> We just want to do the show. We don't want to have any extra work. We don't want to do any, you know, extra promotion stuff that involves leaving a computer. Yeah, and I had these other guys, the guys at Mevios, and come up, you know, they come up to me. Oh, you know, why don't you guys, uh, you guys should at least sell some T-shirts. You should do. I mean, we tried that once, and it was like, yeah, well, then we, it, we can't get it together. We we're, we stink. Yeah, we suck at that. We're absolutely horrible at organization. <laughs> People should also know the donations come into uh, John's PayPal account. Actually, now now we do have our own PayPal account. No agenda show. You know, uh, there's like you know, it's just like uh, we just you know, every month or six weeks or whatever, we just split it down the middle, and you know, there's no accounting, there's no spreadsheets. It's like well, you don't need the accounting is done by the banks, right? uh, Right. We don't. But it's, it's just like, eh, whatever. I mean, the, real work, not necessary. In fact, Eric, who you brought in, uh, actually does the hardest part, which we were starting to really suck at, which was the list of donors for each show. Because that was, you know, we get people, you know, people want to want to hear hear their name. And I think we pretty much have established anything over $50 gets mentioned unless someone puts in expressly that it's anonymous and, and also that we have to track closely. Um and it's a, it's a lot of administrative work that we're no good at. No, we suck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we do. So Eric, yeah, Eric, yeah, we do. So Eric sends us a spreadsheet with the you know the the producers and all the stuff, so we don't have to uh, do anything. We just go down the list and say, well, here's the guys that uh, gave us money. We do have to mention the we had a, a number of people. I think we had about eighty seven to ninety five people. Uh, that joined the Deuce Club, which, by the way, closes at midnight, even though we're not don't need to promote uh, by, it. By the time you hear this, is probably closed. By the time you hear this, is going to be over. Yeah. But uh, And we have to thank them all. And then uh, we, they, many of them made some comments, but we're probably going to put – we're not going to re- start reading comments on today's show. I just don't wanna, do want to acknowledge everybody. And, um, now, do you, I, I have an older spreadsheet, apparently. Well, I have a couple of them here. I don't have the, I have to go to PayPal to get the, the, the latest and greatest. Well, why don't I start with, this, with the Knights? Because uh, it was nice. A couple of people became a Knight through their support for the Deuce Club, and a couple already were Knights and uh, supported this show in addition. So why don't I start with that and go down the list? All right. Well, you do that. I'll go open the PayPal thing. Okay. Sir William Arcan, Sir Troy Walters, Sir Tom Derry, Sir Todd Simons, Sir Stephen, 
Sir Roman, Sir Rob Sealock, Sir Lawrence Roik, Sir Jordi Ramirez, Sir John Matthews, Sir John Kilbum, Sir Jeffrey Gerlach, Sir Daniel Stack, China Niels. I don't know if China Niels is a Isn't that Niels? Niels. China Niels. I think he's a, he may not a, he may be a night noir on the way. Also uh Sir Night Noir Philip Evans. Then we have uh, just running down the list of people. By the way, most of them, I think, from the United States. I actually have a, a I want to talk about the breakdown supports the okay. show later. Then I'll uh, Carlos Quimbe, Ryan Story, Brian Kaufman, Andrew Blackbum, Jeff Brown, Ruben Zhang, Tim Hoimer, Adam Burkpile. Adam Burkpile is a creator of the Pocket No Agenda app, so he's donating uh, from his proceeds from that. Mike Scalora, Aaron Cole, Christopher Scalenda, Mark Bodiford, David Overbeck, Brian Mancuso, Randy Asher, that should be Sir Randy Asher, Roy Pledge, Matthew Walker, Robert Johnson, Chris Slavowski, Slavinsky, Fred Slavinsky. Lust, yeah, Fred Lust, Kevin Schneider, Simon Alicia, Lee Kenyon, Bruce Salkovitz, Luca Capodoro, Matthew Payton, Terry Heyman, Eric Thomason, David Rudolph Bucker. Bacher, ba- Baker. Baker? No, he's from yeah. Fronia, so it would be David Rudolph Bucker. He's from oh, but it would be, because in, oh, that's interesting because the, the, that's pronounced Baker in the United States. Yeah, but we call that Bucker. Okay, Bucker. McTank, Jonas Astrom, Craig Lennox, Jay Brown, Joseph Ransom, Keith Bradshaw, Stefan Springer, Nina Kristen Hetland. Okay, first woman. <laughs> this, this well, by yeah, the, but then it follows up with another one. Claudia Gerber. So I, I, I will say this is a problem that we have uh, the purport the the balance of men to women is uh, really skewed heavily male, and uh, although our age ranges, I love the demographics of our our um, our audience. Yeah, we got everybody. It's really from 13 to 88. That uh, would be me. Yeah, but uh, but women, not so many. Sam Leung, Ling, Edward Hillman, David Evans, Tommy Horton, Matthew Greff, Michael Stajuhar. Stajuhar? That's a tough one. I don't know. Stajuhar. Stajuhar. Yeah. I don't know. Samuel Funderplunk. Our buddy. Niven Brooks, Cliff Wilson, Charles Anderson, Alan Bose, Max Lacritz, Josh Feldman, Jesse Simonin, or Simonin? Simonin. Simonin. James Callahan, Malcolm Blair, James Murray, Matthew Moss, Simon Reed, Adam Colbay, or Kolb, I think Colbay probably, Robert Tennant, Tennant. James Spitzer, David Rosa, Eric Bodenstab, or Bodenstab, Hunter Hillegas, who sent us number. I know so many of these people. It feels kind of weird. Michael Snyder, Trevor Foucher, Barry Wilson, Tony Drews, Jake Kelly, Andrea Garnier, and our favorite name, who is the sexiest woman in Canada, Dorothy Doring. So that's four women now. Daniel Rudolph and Carrie. Washimoto. That's what I have on my list. Yeah, and then there's a few that came in late, uh, and I'll mention them, which is, whoops, the right 
page up here. Only like five monitors. Uh, the last of the group uh, includes uh, Joseph Stacy. Uh, uh, this is one of your names. It's W O U T E R S E L J E E. Okay, the, the slower. W O U T E R. Wouter. S E L J E E. Slage. S E L J E E. That's what it says. Slage. 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 Sell ye, maybe? No, it'll be yay. Okay. Yay. Jim Kaitola. Luke Fromhold. Chris Harrison. Our friend Torsten Beck. Coming back. A, cool man, a great name, Coolman Ray. Cool, cool Man Ray, baby. Cool Man Ray. I'm Cool Man Ray. Lena Nobuhara. That's another woman, so five, that's five. Five. Uh, Carlos Quimbe, Ryan Story. And I think we already have Brian Kaufman. He came in uh, last night. So, uh,. Or do we remember? Do we have a Roman visiting on there? On the I list? did not. Uh, I don't think I read the name. Okay. Well, then we have uh, Brian Kaufman, Roman visiting, Andrew Blackburn, and Jeff Brown. So, John, would you um, would you would you like to uh, basically do this full time and quit everything else? Well, I'm never going to quit being a writer because that's a cross promotional thing, and it's something I can just do casually. And it's a form of meditation. It's like quitting cooking. Right. So I or breathing, too. or breathing. So uh, yeah, but I would. But you know, I don't really have anything else to do but this show. Oh bull crap! Seriously, I, well, you're right. I got to finish that book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, I wish that. Uh, what do you think? Do we have to quadruple, quintuple our uh, our, I think, su- our support? To be honest about it, I think if we triple. If we keep doing the promotions like we do, and we, you know, there's another one down the road. About once a month, we do one. And I re- by the way, we really thank everybody who joins the Deuce Club. We're going to put a page up with all your names. And if you didn't get mentioned, let, let us, us know, know. Yeah. and we'll t- mention you on the on a real show. And uh, I, I, the point I think is, we got it all. Yeah, the point is, is that we have um, uh, we, we we have people that have been financing the show essentially and a lot of them do a you know an over the top version of financing by becoming executive producers of individual shows or a night but but the kind or a night but this is the kind of thing you know if, if we if we can triple our audience we could probably sustain this even though it will take a lot you know we still have to do the promotions we still have to come with the deuce club and these other ideas and you know the founding producers and we we do these things and they're all very valuable and it makes people or it helps people become more uh, engaged with the show they're now part of the show essentially and i think if we tripled our uh, numbers which of course would then make it get critical mass it should go even higher but we do have a couple of issues uh, with that one is that you're right if we get people can get put off by the beginning of the show i've gotten mail on that and we really have a shortage even though we do have some good looking women that follow the show because they're on twitter and you have their picture there and they're pretty yeah so it's not like that it's not like the show is a barrier to women it's not a show done for men and by men but it's uh it is done by men but it's not a show for men uh, but we do have an issue there, so we're losing about half the audience because of that. And I blame actually the mechanism of podcasting itself, and I could actually blame you. Oh, 
I think podcasting, when done right, uh, where you actually have the automatic download that puts itself on your uh, iPod or other device, and then you take that and you jump in your car to drive to work, and you plug the, the USB into your car, which has got a USB port now, and it plays our show <coughs> automatically is not being done enough. But people well, just what did don't... I do wrong? Well, how was that my fault? You invented the whole process. Well, yeah, but so didn't I do everything right? <laughs> what part did I do wrong? I don't get it. How was the it my fault? The part that you did wrong is that you never set up the marketing channel, so this became a second na- it became second nature to everybody. It is extremely difficult to use iTunes. Uh, setting up the automatic mechanism, you know, with some people, like I, like Jan Ailman was talking to me, we just got one of those iPads, he says, he plugs it in, and the next thing you know, he's got the Cranky Geeks and No Agenda shows already downloaded on the iPad, whether he wanted it or not. And he's not even sure how that happened. Well, but, but that kind well, of thing is just this vague bullshit of this well, hold podcast. On, hold thing. on a second. You are not a user of an iPhone. But if you have an iPhone and you go to iTunes and you search for Adam Curry or Dvorak, you, can, you don't have to download anything. You, just, you can either click on it. It starts playing immediately right from the store. Or you click download and it downloads that one episode to your phone. I mean, it's not well, like. How it's, about the, what? What's the mechanism for subscribing? Well, I, 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 the subscribing thing, it's an. It became an issue for a number of reasons, and so you can blame me all you want. But here's the problem. Here's where it went wrong. When this first started out, um, there was not a lot of bandwidth. In fact, I never invented quote this or never came up with it. Really, for the subscription model, I came up with it because I wanted you to be downloading something when you're. Remember when you had always on access? It wasn't like you had huge bandwidth, but you didn't have to dial in, and your computer was just kind of sitting there. And I wanted this to be triggered at night or whenever, so that and you wouldn't know about it. And then your computer would say, "Oh, there's a new show," and you just click on it and it would play. You wouldn't have to play, you know, click and wait for something to download before you could play it. That was the original idea. Um, but then it got all messed up with RSS because you would change your feed and then all of a sudden you'd be downloading a hundred, you know, previous episodes and hard drives would fill up. And, and I think actually people want, for some reason, people want, think they need some control over their computer and they don't just want stuff downloading in the background. So it, it, it's more of a cultural problem than anything. And you, st- and this is why I think we we got the stream going, and we have a lot of sustaining and founding producers for that. Uh, the future, of course, is going to be you get in your car, it flips on a three or four G connection, and and you'll be able to get stuff, and it will be either in real time on a stream or it'll be on demand, and it'll just start playing for you. I think that yeah. that's where it's going to go. We have to get remove the idea from people you know you don't think about what's happening when you get a movie on demand you don't think about it it's just like oh i'm just clicking some buttons on the remote control you don't think about all the packets streaming into your into your house and all this digital stuff that's happening in the background it's just there so you know but someone's got to make that device and that interface and they're coming and and they will happen it by the way if anyone can help us the number one thing was get us in all of the in all of the top menus you know, put us there with the good stuff. And, and by the way, we got kind of screwed by Apple because if you'll recall, Apple jumped on board with podcasting early and I'm very happy they did. And then they started to promote all the NPR National Treasure shows like that was the only thing that was worth it. And podcasting independent stuff got pushed to the back. That's what happened there. 
Yeah. So you, well, you, I mean, you still need, and this comes down to the device manufacturers, uh, you still need them to promote what's on the interface that they have, that they control. I don't control that. I can only make the show. So, uh, and, and that's a call out to producers. They need to be doing that. They need to be pushing us into the into the, the, the top selections and the, the favorites. And, you know, have we ever been uh, on uh, the most, uh, what is it, the, the featured selections of Apple's iTunes? No. And will we ever? Unlikely. Unlikely. Well... Blame me on anyway, so that's an issue. Yeah, that's a, that's a tremendous issue. But so tripling the audience, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And you know what? I would pretty much quit everything else I do. We could <laughs> double the audience if we had the same number of women. That we could have our myth. own health care. <laughs> this is the only, this is the only thing we ever talk about. <laughs> if in, until this show can actually help us afford health care and a cell phone. <laughs> yes, yeah, right. <laughs> We can't quit our day jobs. Not until now, somebody, we have you know, people care. always ask you, well, what do you do with the donations? What do you do? Yeah, what, what I we pay do? For we bills. buy equipment and we pay bills. And, and it's not just bills related to this show. I mean, yeah, we got some bandwidth bills. Honestly, it's not huge. It's not huge. Yeah, you know, is, we have to, you know, this is what, when, what, it's like asking the, so, uh, Mr. Mailer, your new best selling novel, uh, what do you do with all the money you made from that book? Exactly. What difference does it make? Yeah. Um, a couple questions here from. Uh, and by the way, I, I find it weird that people uh, even ask not, that question. By the way, it's very few people that that care, but but they're annoying the ones who do because it's like, well, what do you do with your money? Yeah. Couple of um, couple of questions from Sir Troy Walters. I just want to go down the list, make sure we didn't miss anything. Um, how did you come up with promotions like the Knighthoods? And although. Well, yeah. The knighthood thing, by the way, I will take credit for that, and I'll tell you why. I, I, although I think we discussed it, and I think you're the one that probably pushed the idea. I could probably, probably the name of a knighthood is probably what I, my contribution. Well, the knighthood thing, and I'll tell you, one, of the, one day, and I've said this, I've done this with everybody who knows me will have heard this probably at one time or another, and I know I t- ran it past Adam. Every time some American, and I think it's supposed to be illegal to receive a knighthood from the queen, but they do. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, every time somebody says, "Why is what's the queen? What's so special about England that they're granting knighthoods? Why don't we grant knighthoods?" Right. And I do Why can't that. we just grant? And why can't anybody? Why can't Ford Motor Company grant knighthoods? What difference does it make? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. So, we, so ours are just as good as the queens. I think so, well, and I, I think we have a better group. That's for sure. The knights that that, that uh, have been on our list are they're fantastic people. Every one of them. I have a plan, by the way. Um, of making a night iPhone app that uh, will only be for nights. And uh, it, it'll be limited for a number of reasons, but it'll only be for nights. And, uh, and it'll be like our, uh, our communication model, like a, a network, a night network. No, that's a good idea. Yeah, I think it'd be kind of fun. Uh, and and we, like a bat signal. I still want a bat signal. We're going to need it one of these days. Well, we've got a lot of professional people in the nighthoods. Uh, yes. We don't have a doctor. We have a dentist. Do we have a lawyer? Oh, you know, that's a we good need a question. Lawyer. That's what you need, right? You need a doctor. We need, doctor. A, lawyer. We need, uh, a, we need a, uh, a butcher. <laughs> yes. Hell yeah. <laughs> a farmer. We need farmer a good, someone good. who can farm. Uh, what drives the new promotions? That's a good question. It depends on how you interpret it, of course. Uh, well, and I will say, all the emails, promotion ideas, John does all of that. 
I do the production of the show. John does all of that stuff. Yeah, I'm the marketing guy. Uh, well, mainly because I've always admired uh, certain forms of marketing that are, never, that are very rarely executed by the general public. And by that I mean, uh, or by general companies or little operations like ours. Uh, and by that I mean PBS and, uh, and religion, uh, churches. Because uh, the model is, is so interesting that you get people that like you so much because you're doing something for them. And that's what, what PBS and churches are perceived as doing. They, one's giving you, you're helping you spiritually, and the other one's educating you uh, out of mainstream media, supposedly. And, uh, and I, their model for getting money, and by the way, I have a background in public radio. I had a couple of shows, two different shows uh, that were on public radio for over almost 10 years about computers. And I saw the mechanism, how it works, and how much money they get, and all the rest of it. And uh, I always said, you know, why, you know, why does it just have to be those two groups? And then, of course, the publishing, you know, the, the direct payment for a novel is a different kind of a thing. Why are these the only two groups that are using this model, A? And, and does anyone notice that they're actually pretty successful with this model? Yeah, it works? Thank you. There's some churches out there that have, you know, not counting the mega churches, but but some decent sized churches with maybe two thousand to three thousand parishioners, and they got the guy with a Cadillac and a big house, and they got plenty of money, and there's only like two thousand people that are supporting this the entire parish, and it's like, uh, does anybody notice that this is, looks like, a, you know, these, of course the tax free thing doesn't hurt the guy. But it's like, obviously, it's a model that works, and people don't mind the model. I mean, we're not getting knighthood donations because people think this is a dumb idea. Wow. So anyway, so I do the promotions. I, I come up with them, uh, you know, every once in a while, we, one comes forward. I say, well, here's an idea. We, this, is, this people would like. So, you know, it's kind of like uh, selling the dream kind of thing. I'm not sure... Uh, uh, and I do. I used to be in direct marketing. Well, I, I say that you know when people ask me about this, I say, look, you know, we have a, a church, and our religion is the truth, or as close as we can get to it. There's that element. I, I think you know we seem to offend a few people if we go over the off the deep end with the church angle. But the fact of the matter is, we do the thing on Sunday morning, and I'm sure a lot <laughs> of people don't go to church and listen to us instead. Uh, just, but the, or football. Mm-hmm. It'd be interesting to see what, since we're in full tilt here trying to maximize our incomes, uh, it'll be interesting to see what the drop-off is on listenership on the live stream during the football season. Oh, interesting. Yeah, well, well and, we, and by the way, we do look at that, that kind of we stuff. We look at all the numbers. We keep track of stuff. Eric likes to dream up weird reports, and uh, we look at them, and we know where we're headed. And we're doing fine. Uh, we're not doing well enough that we can quit and do this full time and and you know that's which is okay being in a struggling situation is not a bad thing and the show i think is sound if i can say is it harder to be excited for the next show if donations are down on the previous show it is for adam (laughs) that's not true it's not like i'm less excited you said so once no Uh, then you misinterpreted what i said what i what i meant was First of all, it bums me out because I take that as a as a direct result of the program of the product that we produced. It bums me out. Yeah, it bums me out. Does it make me less excited? No, it motivates me. It gets me motivated to do a better show. That could and, be. and we deconstruct it. And John, by the way, you got to know this. He's like like the horrible uncle you never wanted. He'll send you notes like, 
Well, that thing you did that made donations drop <laughs> through the floor as horrible. And I know, and it took me like two months to figure out that this is bullshit, that he's just writing that just to piss me off. No, I was writing it for a good reason because I believed it to be true. <laughs> it's the way you write it. It's like, oh, it's oh, the way sorry, email is. You sorry, can't be Grandpa. S- yeah, sorry. Don't be such a dick. I suppose I should put a bunch of smiley faces and that would make you happy. Yeah, good. This is what I love about you. Um, What is the single most enjoyable element of the show for each of you? Hmm, That's a great question. And I don't like saying the term the great question. But it's a thoughtful question. It makes you think. What do we like to. mm, I think when the show ends. (laughs) (laughs) I think. uh, Hours. First of all, there is no element in the show. I think that's that's the, the we have no fixed elements. That's the, true. The we only don't. thing that's fixed is uh, donations, uh, and we do that about an hour in forty-five minutes to an hour. Yeah. So and that, we've talked about that because we we notice the donations fall off if we push the thing off to near the end because a lot of people, to be honest about, it, do not listen to the entire show. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I get a lot of emails from people. I'm like, can we just we just did that two weeks ago. Like, how can you send me this email? And yeah, I agree. A lot of people don't get through the whole show, which, by the way, is okay. It's okay. And, and, and for people who listen, who like, oh, that was, you know, there's a fa- this is what I love. There's fast forward. You can fast forward through something you think is boring. I guarantee you'll be backing up. I think so, too. Um, for me, um, wow, this is going to sound kind of weird. Most enjoyable, personally enjoyable. I like it when I have either an article or a clip and I get praise from you. Yeah, I, I'll do that because I, I actually keep a running score, per, but it's just for me. But you, I know you're paying attention to it, I, and, and I'll and I'll score a goal for you when you hit one that is like completely catches me flat-footed. I got nothing on it. I got maybe my take is even wrong because your take is better, uh, and it's and it's interesting. And so you get, I so I give you a, a kudo right on the spot. And it's very and it's sincere, by the way. And I, and I usually only do it when I know I can't top you. You can actually come up with something that's better than the, the, where you got the kudos, something really s- stunning. But I know I've got a topper. Yeah. And so I won't give you the kudo then. <laughs> so that's kind of interesting. Do we have a weird father son relationship? No, no, it's not, no, it's it's a teammate relationship where you're trying to compete for that position of uh, you know dominance. Okay. Yeah. That's... I think it's a team. It's a team orientation where the two guys are working to to win, but you know, but, but you want to be the guy that did. But it's the okay best if you play. score the goal. Yeah, you scored the goal. Okay, you scored the goal. Next time I'll score the goal, you prick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good analysis. So not, you, the father and son thing doesn't work that way because father and son would be it's be more patronizing. I'm not patronizing. I'm I'm straightforward yeah, about you, that's it. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I'll give you that. I know how much you'd like that to be the case, but uh, no, no. Not going to happen. I don't think so. <laughs> uh, so I got a little thing here, a little aside. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had Eric run the numbers on... Uh, which country listens to us and where we get most of our, uh, our our support from? That's actually that is a question. So, and here's the answer. Uh, what, okay, now I'm gonna, but I'm gonna do it to because I I have the numbers and you don't. So this is my rare opportunity to make you do what we do on the show quite a bit, which is make one the other person guess, knowing full well that they'll never guess it correctly, <laughs> and it's just kind of a stalling tactic. But guess who's number one? Now is this in? Uh 
total amount of donations? This will or? be both donors and the amount, but it's going to go by the total amount. But it's this. But it turns out the the numbers match pretty well with the. Uh, it's one to one, pretty much, with the donors versus and totals. I will say that the Netherlands is very high on the list. Who's number one? Oh please! <laughs> well, number one's got to be America. Of course, by yeah. a factor of nine. Yeah. All right. So now it gets interesting. Number two. And I, before you answer, I'm going to tell you right now, you're not going to get it. Australia? Oh, jeez, you got it. Yes, he shoots, he scores. Oh, no, man. I, I no, I, I, knew, I knew Australia had to be really high. And oh, I shouldn't have given you the tease. No, no, I, I knew it. I, I, I knew this because... I mean, we've had, to, I tr- you know, I track it kind of in my head. I'm like, man, I get stories. The the Aussies are, um, they're really into us. You know, but don't mess with them, man. These guys will mess you up. And and they don't like what's going on. And I, I can almost guess, you know, by which country is, uh, is the most suppressed. <laughs> so, of course, America wins. And then uh, Australia. And, and I think uh, the Netherlands has got to be third or fourth on the list. No, actually. The Netherlands actually comes in sixth. Oh, okay. It goes like this. United States, Australia, Canada. Canada, right. Yeah, I forgot. United Canada. Kingdom and Netherlands. A UK as well, of course. Yeah. Yeah, that makes uh, sense. That, I actually thought the Netherlands would come in a little higher. Yeah, so did I. I but no, and, uh, and we Belgium? have a couple. Belgium? Of, we have the guys. The reason is because the Netherlands, the guys who do contribute to the show from are from, the, are uh, from Belgium, are very uh, they're they're aggressive, right? Uh, you know, uh, Pelsmachers. Oh, he's in Belgium. He's in Belgium. Yeah, yeah. Well, Belgium comes in. Then it comes Germany, Belgium, Norway, Sweden, Finland, Switzerland, uh, Mexico, and then we have. Uh, an anomaly with Japan, which has very few people listening, but they give a lot of money. And so, same with Hong Kong. That's where all the money is. Then we've got Spain, uh, Italy, France, Denmark uh, is actually higher, but they don't give any money. They're, they're like, they're... Uh, cheap. Cheap. <laughs> the damn Danes. And they're, the Danish are obviously cheap. And then Poland, Poland, which is like, that doesn't count. They don't even... You know, this, the non-English speaking countries, it doesn't bother me. There's so this number. is very interesting. For the amount of... Uh, well, that's really interesting. For the amount of time we spend on, or have spent on stories about Poland, they're way down on the list. Oh, they're way down. The amount of time we spend on the UK and Australia, that's about right, yeah. I would say. And, uh, and Canada. We probably should do more on Canada. Yeah, no, the Canadians are compla- starting to complain about it. And they're right. Uh, and, they're and, you right. know, it's easy enough to do. I mean, it's kind of hard to beat this. Ari has 22 minutes or whatever the name of the show is that uh, nails them constantly. We've got some support in Singapore. I mean, almost every country Estonia, Dominican Republic, Malaysia, Qatar, Israel, one person. Yay. Bar- Bar- which is, uh, that actually is the one that really surprises me the most, that we'd have one listener in Israel. I mean, you may be blocked there for all I know. Could be. Yeah, could be. And, uh... Uh, Portugal, we haven't got much. Uh, you'd think I'd have more in, from Brazil since I'm a writer there and fairly well known. But it's, again, it's in translation. Yeah, they uh, may, they may be writing all kinds of crap. You don't know what they're translating it to. No, they, I I know what they're translating. I've had a lot of people. I, I know a lot of Brazilians, and they, they one guy said to me once. I know, and I know the the translator. He's a great guy. I've sat down with him and. Mm-hmm. Uh, so on a PowerPoint, like in 10 minutes, the guy's fantastic. Let me, uh, uh, what was the, oh, here's one that I can't answer. 
What are the current subscriber numbers? So first of all, subscriber numbers, the word subscriber is a misnomer because we really don't know how many people uh, listen to this show by downloading. We absolutely just don't know. Uh, John, how often, and, and by the way, I don't think anyone knows in podcasting what their actual real numbers are. There is so much smoke uh, about numbers. You have to guess. And uh, What would you guess? Well, based on normal direct marketing returns uh, and the kind of money we get, uh, it it's hard to say. I mean, it could be anywhere from 50,000 to 400,000. Yeah, that's about the same range I'm in. And it's impossible to tell from the downloads and, you know, the proxies. And, of course, I'm sure there's a small percentage that is uh, maybe not downloading at all, uh, listening uh, only to the stream. There's people who get it on BitTorrent. Um, because we, we only have, you know, in terms of pure subscribers that are paying the five dollars, we only have about fifteen hundred of those people. We have not there pushed. You go. There you go. Everybody, that's a good number. That's a really very good hard to do the five dollar thing. Some people have done the thirty. Some people say I'm not going to do it till you make it ten, and I haven't put that up. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's you know, and then they every time they change their credit card or some number, they get bounced by PayPal, so they don't have the subscription anymore. I get letters saying, "Well, I'm sorry, but I didn't realize I haven't had a subscription for six months because PayPal bounced it, and I got to resubscribe." Sorry, you know, they apologize, and some people get bounced for no good reason. It's you know, we we're not that stable that we need uh, more subscribers for sure. We'll push that. We'll be pushing that. Probably on the show more. Okay, I have, I have two more things. One more, uh, one is, so I actually would like to know uh, how you prep for the show. I, I think I already explained what I do. I don't do, uh, I don't generally, what I do is I t- typically take the articles and things that I found and I print them out and uh, pile them up as they as they come because i get most of my stuff online uh and then i'm always making clips because i have an h2 recorder by the by the my side at all times and i'm constantly jumping up even with the the full family could be watching a movie or something i'm jumping up and stopping the movie backing it up and then getting a clip and then you know so i collect a lot of i spend most of my time collecting clips and articles and i don't organize them very well i because of the nature of the show i'm always assuming that it's going to go anywhere cuz you never know what you know who's going to bring up a topic that gets interesting in the conversation itself so i so i'm i'm probably underprepared uh in terms of pure preparation not in terms of the work that goes into getting the clips and all that and reading a lot but in terms of like thinking about what i'm going to do i do occasionally we'll take a bunch of notes early if you watched the or listened to the show maybe a year ago i would have these notes i used to ridicule myself for having taken terrible notes i can't read and that was a little more preparation but i found that it really hasn't that didn't do anything to improve the show uh and it also kind of puts if i if i prepare too much i'll i'll, I'll try to dominate the show and uh, which right. kind of ruins the pace and flow. And the uh, for me, the only th- I, I do collect everything because I find I, even, you know, if you look at the show notes versus what we talk about in the show. I mean, the show notes are often four times as much information, and I think that is a valuable part of the show uh, for people uh, to be able to go and research stuff and look at things. And and there is a, a reasonable segment of the audience that that really uses that and appreciates it and looks at it. Some of the iPhone apps um, give you good access to it and searchability. 
Um, but I'm all, I'm typically always hoping, just hoping that I can find from a radio pers- production perspective. Here it is. I'm hoping that there's one or two zingers that I have, either it's a clip or it's a story or it's something, and I'll work on that. And I cannot go to bed on a Wednesday night or a, a, a Saturday night without knowing I have something. And I, I sometimes will try out my my rap on Mickey. I'll say, how does this sound? And usually I get shot down. Yeah, I, I refuse to do that. I think yeah. that's overdoing it. Yeah, I get shot down. Good. So uh, here's a que- question that somebody has. For you, what happened to the global blank fund? Adam was supposed to have a big report on it. The what? Remember that fund you were talking about? That that money that was hidden at, during the Reagan administration or something? Oh, you know, uh, yeah, the it was a French name. Yeah, this is brought from Brian Monday. Okay, well, we now now there's your answer, Brian. Yeah, no, well, I hit so many dead ends, and I just don't have the time to spend my life. Yeah, and it's not going to bring anything to the You know what it is? There's, there's, I guess the answer is no one has done enough reporting, that, at least that I could find, that makes it believable, believable or credible enough. And the only way to really get into it is I'd have to do the investigative work myself, and that's obviously not going to happen. Okay, Hugs A Lot asks, what's the actual cost of producing the show? Most podcasts have zero budgets and still produce shows. DSC is done free. No? No, it's not. That's not true. DSC is a part of what the founding and sustaining producers of the No Agenda stream donated their money for, and we'll have to do another drive. Um, And, you know... (laughs) What is the actual cost? I mean, what does it cost you to go to work? You know, there's actual cost. This is actual time. It's, it's, the, there's preparation. Time is money. Value for value. That's the way it works. Time is definitely money. So is there, is there actual, you know, would you like me to charge by the hour the, the amount of time it took me to set up the studio? That's just one well, little thing. No, you don't I'm want not to. not sure. Ch- what, actually, the question to me is vague. I don't know what it means. DZ Picks asks, what iPhone, iPad app does Adam use for the Jingles Sound Bank? I use um, a program called Soundbyte, B-Y-T-E, one word, Soundbyte, on the Mac, it is uh, created, uh, made by Black Cat Software, um, and I've just kind of been, they essentially replicated a cart machine. They look like carts. You can color them like you would color, a, and a cart is a cartridge. That's the, that's the old school way of uh, putting jingles into a jingle machine, uh, and it's pretty customizable, and what's nice about it is they released an iPhone app, which I can run on the iPad, although it kind of sucks because... It's, uh, it runs in iPhone mode, and you kind of enlarge it, and it do- doesn't work very well. In fact, today I didn't use it at all, um, but normally I do. And it, it brings up the screen of your cart deck the way it looks on the computer screen. And the only re- if I had it, I would prefer to have an extra monitor instead of having the, uh, the iPad run that because um, I use two monitors because I have a lot of stuff that I have to monitor. Uh, and... Really, what I need is I need to be able to connect a uh, a third screen to my laptop. I don't think that's an easy thing to do, though. Okay. Um, here's an interesting question. You, you, I should be able to answer, but I'm going to have you do it if you can. I bought a Nokia E71 because you said you like it. How do I get the stream to work on it? Can we do that? There is actually in the Nokia OV store, 
which is their version of the App Store, there is a, a, a it just released. If you go there and uh, it's a, it's like create your own Nokia app. I think they're actually calling them apps. You can enter the RSS feed for No Agenda, and it will create an app for your phone. And then you can put that on your phone. It does not do the streaming bit, but you can get uh, streaming um, programs all, all over the place for uh, for the Nokia. But I, I I think it's more interesting just to be able to uh, to make your own uh, app for the uh, for the uh, for the episodes. So that's how you do that. And BlackBerry, by the way, also is coming out. They called me. Like, yeah, we're going to do podcasting on the BlackBerry. Can you log in and put in your shows for your company? And I put in uh, no agenda, daily source code, tech five, top five, cranky geeks, and then I got bored. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently there's some podcasting thing on uh, on BlackBerry. Huh. Uh, uh, so, yeah. Any more uh, from the chat room? Uh, this is actually from Twitter. Uh, let me see if there's one more here. There was one. Hold on one second. Just got to see who's uh, texting me. Hold on. Keep Guy going. says, uh, the show's gone from a show with no jingles and no talent to a glut of both. I thought that was kind of unique. It's gone to a what? A, we have a glut of talent, apparently, on the show. It's just the same two guys. Uh, somebody else asks, uh, the show's changed a lot since its inception. It's the same guy, actually. Opera now. Do you prefer the new format? And, you know, obviously we do, uh, or we wouldn't be doing it. And the audience does, more importantly. The audience does, too. I mean, the, you know, this show is, you know, has... A, it's, it's but, a, you, know, you know, I've been lots. in broadcasting long enough. You always have people who say, oh, it was much better then. Oh, it was better then. Oh, oh it was no, I have the then. same thing as a writer. You get this. I have people that still say, when you were writing that column for InfoWorld, it was much better. Yeah. And I looked at those. I could go back and look at that old crap, and it wasn't. Generally yeah. speaking, things improve. Yeah, I guess it's just uh, it's it's just the the nature of the beast. Well, that's the, the nostalgia, or you know, people. At some point, people either like you more in time because they hear you more, they read you more, or they like you less in time, and then they associate that with maybe you were doing something different before. Generally speaking, you weren't. All right, so uh, wrapping this up, um, what's the future? Well, we got another two hundred shows to do. At least no, we have well, we have at least until episode three, three, three. Well, before we do another uh, promotion like the uh, Deuce Club, well, we got to thank all the Deuce Club members profusely, and we'll do that uh, over time and in the, on the web page. And uh, I think uh, you know we we're not showing any indication of, of slower growth. People still like the show. I think the, the great thing, and we've talked about this off 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 the air a lot. There's a there's so much material for us. Yeah, I, I think the show there's only there's only growth because uh, it just comes automatically. It's, the it's media all is getting worse. Yeah, they're laying everybody off. The, the the Obama administration is getting worse. They're lying to the public just straight out. Uh, you know, there's these crazy things that Hill and Knowlton are doing. I mean, now that I find that they're the, behind all the global warming stuff, you know, we're doomed. Uh, that that's going to go through because you can't stop uh, Hill and Knowlton. I don't know. Are you I, are you worried that the show will ever get like taken off the air? 
Not seriously, but it could be. It could t- be taken off the air. I don't think uh... this, by the way, is a huge benefit of um, of our model because if you have advertisers, that's the attack mechanism. That's where yeah. you're weakest. When the the minute someone doesn't like what you say, look at look at Imus, you know, and that's just one example. The minute you go somewhere that they don't like you, then then the audience. For us, it's easy. The audience is like what we do. We get no money. It's like, okay, we can turn that around in, in one episode. We can go, oh, okay, we went off the track there. We can get it back on. But when your advertisers pull out, then the network goes nuts, and then you're, then you're out of a job. You're dead. You're gone. You're history. You're you've, out. And you lost – in other words, you don't have control from the get-go. Yep. And that's another reason I think the direct support is the way to go. It's open source. We don't care. If, one of the things that's great about it, I always say, well, one of the, you know, if somebody bootlegs the show, puts it on their own website, takes credit for it, say they produce it, I don't care. The fact is our, our messages are embedded in the show, uh, and they, it goes with us. We don't need to prove numbers. We don't say, oh, our, our, our numbers from Arbitron came in, and we got a 3-3, three, three, and this is a, here. Look, Mr. Advertiser, oh, you know, yeah. give us some more money. We have a better CPM. We have a certain demo. They have to prove our demo, and we have to prove the CPM and this and that and the other thing. I mean, it's ridiculous. Remember those days when, when you'd wait for the Arbitrons to come out and the whole station was, like, tiptoeing around? And, well, it's, we know the trends are down, so we're, how bad will it be? Oh, man. Yeah, we don't do, deal with any of that. We don't want to. It's, it's ridiculous. And we, we completely independent. We don't have anybody telling us what to do. We don't have uh, advertisers telling us what to do, which is the d- real danger here. And I, it, without exception, the only way we would be taken off the air is if the government or somebody sued us uh, or the government decided to pull the plug. Who knows? I mean, that, but that's not going to happen. We're below, we're below the radar. We're crackpots. Uh, we believe it. We're <laughs> conspiracy theory people. Oh, no. Conspiracy Ooh, yes. <laughs> and maybe we'll get taxed for being conspiracy theory guys. Yeah, that, that, that's the worst thing that could happen. Well, I'll, I can live but with it that. It seems to me that Alex Jones will get taken out before we do, and that would be a nice warning shot. We'd, he's, the, he's the canary in the cage, as far as I'm concerned, even though I don't think he does half the work we do. I think he has good guests, but that's a different format. Well, no, we can't. That's another thing. That's the one question we should, at least before we finish. <laughs> we cannot do two hours. Yeah, we've uh, done it again. Before we finish, you know, the people say, "Well, can I be a guest on your show? Do you, how can we don't do this? How can we don't do that?" We may do some separate interview shows separately that will be on the stream that will be part of some other initiative. This show is what it is. It's two guys talking to each other about the current events, just like you do in the coffee shop with your buddies. There's no guests. We don't. You, when you're in the coffee shop, you don't say, "And coming in to, to have a guest <laughs> donut." A guest. <laughs> be, you know, so and so who just finished a book. So, what was your book about? Uh, this is not the Larry King show. Right. Well, anyway, um, so, yeah, we were going to do an hour. We're uh, moving up now on, uh, what are we at? I have the exact recording here. We are at uh, 145. Good job. Uh, thank you again to everyone who supports No Agenda, who supported this show, uh, The Deuce Club. Uh, thanks to everyone who's out there making websites and, and crazy ideas and uh, tr- and promoting us. Um, it is also your show, so I could just say thank you, John. Thank you. I <laughs> thank you. I I, I, I re- it's the highlight of my week, to, to, and it happens twice a week. And, and we'll try to do these uh, special third shows every so often. And uh, yeah, what are we going to talk about? 
<laughs> well, I think we talked out. <laughs> the funny like, thing is, I'll bet you we could do another two hours. I, you know, I was just about to say, not a problem. <laughs> and and our and our spouses wonder why we don't talk to them at night. <laughs> I've got nothing to say to you. That's the problem, right there. I'm all talked out, baby. <laughs> so they only have so many words in them. Exactly. All right. So um, on Thursday. Uh, we'll be back. Hope you all enjoyed this special 200.5 episode of No Agenda, the backstage look. I, I think we've answered just about everything. Uh, and if not, uh, then, yeah, we'll have uh, topics for another one of these shows. Yeah. And uh, I uh, am glad we're winding up right on time so I can watch Twit. <laughs> I love Twit. I love watching Yeah, well, you go do that. Yeah. I wish Leo would have me on. Well, that's not going to happen. Oh, I know. That's upsetting to me. So, um, okay. Well, we'll uh, Thursday we got more stuff coming up. Obviously, there's going to be uh, the same crap coming out of Washington and the crazy news stories. And the, we're going to see what this blowout, this oil thing, we'll be talking about that for the next month or two. And trains. And trains. Yeah, the trains thing. Coming to you from Gitmo Nation West from the Hilltop Watchtower, Crackpot Command Center in the People's Republic of Southern California. In the morning, I'm Adam Curry. And from Northern Silicon Valley, I'm John C. Dvorak. See you again on Thursday, early morning service right here on No Agenda.